Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We are back for another episode of The Moments That Made Me. And this week's guest is someone who has actually been on the show before. At the end of the first series, the wonderful Josh Smith interviewed me for my own episode, and now I've brought him back so that I can find out about his own three moments that made him. Josh is best known for his incredibly open, moving, and meaningful interviews with all of the biggest names on the planet. And I know that I'm not the only one who has found themselves crying, laughing, and just learning so much from each of his inspiring chats. Josh is one of those completely magnetic humans that you can't not enjoy the company of. And I feel both incredibly nervous to be interviewing the interviewer and also just so excited to hear him tell us his story. Darling! I have been so excited to get you on the other side of the interview. I mean, now I feel like I'm in the hot seat. I'm I'm nervous. Are you? Yeah, I never get nervous. Like, never. But oh I, feel, I feel nervous. I always actually, like, most people who know me will probably be like, this is the biggest load of Billy bullshit I've ever heard. Sorry if we can't play on the podcast. <laughs> you can. But you can, great. Because I actually get very nervous about talking about myself, especially in, like, not with, like, my friends, but, like, for instance, if you know if you're at parties, some guys, what do you do? And I always go... Oh, I'm a journalist. And they're like, oh, what kind of journalist are you? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. And then literally then I'll be like, oh, you know, not like a hard hitting one. I don't like go to Syria or anything. And then they'll be like, what? And they're like, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, I interview people. It's like, who do you interview? And they're like, they hit them. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't know why I find it so awkward talking about it. I don't know why. So literally, this is this is going to be babes. therapeutic, hopefully. It is. I really hope so. Because you, I mean, especially over lockdown, you're probably interviewing people like every day, it seems. But you have this amazing ability um, of making people really comfortable, um, helping them to really open up and talk about things that a lot of, a lot of, for, the, for a lot of people, you talk about things for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're kind of becoming really known for these vulnerable, authentic, um, inspiring interviews. And I have been so proud watching your journey. And for anyone that hasn't met Josh, I would just tell you that he is one of the most sort of magnetic people I've ever met. And you are so high vibe. In fact, the last time I saw you, um, we went for a socially distant walk and I knew that something good was going to come through while we were on our walk because you were, you're such a high vibe person and you raise people's energy around you. And it did. A job came through on our walk. You are high vibe. Babes, I call me the Matilda of, <laughs> <laughs> of the interviewing world. <laughs> Babes, this is it. So I am desperate to know how the hell you got here. Talk me through your first moment. My first moment. Now, I've been thinking about this and... The really weird thing is, I'm, I think I'm going to talk about stuff that feels like it was a moment, but 
For me, I'm going to pick for the first one is the coming out experience, that much lauded thing that anyone who has to come out as something has to go through, I guess. Coming out for me was a weird experience. Like I grew up in a village of like 200 people in the middle of nowhere in Cambridgeshire. And at that time, this is going to make me sound like an absolute dinosaur but when I was coming out and realizing who I was in like the early 2000s um, (laughs) there was really no gay role models on tv there was no I didn't have any gay role models full stop the only kind of gay role model you had was probably like Dale Winton or the only gay in the village on Little Britain which actually now I think about it was actually such a damaging thing because the stereotypes that that show played into really reverberated out through the way that a lot of people approached me. So they'd be like, oh my God, you're the only gay in the village, you're this, you're that. And unfortunately, like I was a very camp (laughs) individual. And I think for like, probably like around three to four years, I really struggled with knowing who I was, um, getting called things like, I didn't even know, this is how isolating my upbringing was, I didn't know what a gay person or who a gay person was until I went to secondary school, which is in like 2000, and someone turned around and said, oh my God, you're gay. And I was like, what is that? Like, I didn't even know. Wow. How how old were you then? I was 11, and I didn't know what a gay person was. So you didn't know that you were gay at that point? No. Oh my God. But to be honest, then it was almost like, almost like a weird light bulb moment. I mean, it wasn't a light bulb moment. It was more of like a, slow burn moment of a light bulb because I was like oh my god what's a gay person and then I was like whoa like this then everything started to slowly make sense over a very long period of time and um that was not the idea that like an 11 year old now would always know what a gay person was but I just didn't know like I had a very isolated upbringing like I didn't come into contact with anyone who was gay like I as I was saying I lived a very isolate lifestyle like I mean it was amazing I'm not going to say that I had a bad upbringing at all but it wasn't very it was I always say that where I grew up is very remarkable for its lack of diversity you know so um so I didn't and also at school there wasn't really anyone else who was gay like I felt like I was the only one I was very obviously gay so that made me kind of a target for bullying it made me a target for just like nasty negative comments or just like the lowest being like you know, like, oh my God, you're just gay, like, or whatever. Like, it just felt like being gay felt like a very negative, negative label. And I kind of, like, the funny thing is, I remember being in year nine. Wow, this is, this is like going back. I must have been like, how old are you in year nine? Like 13, 14? Yeah. And someone just turned around and said, oh, you're so fucking gay. And I went, yeah, I am. And what? And it was like, whoa. Oh my and, God. And then, then I slowly came out to my friends, like loads of like my girl. Around that friends. age. Yeah, were like, but the thing is, and this is the laughable thing, is that I just didn't tell my parents. So my friends at school knew, everyone around me, probably my friends' parents knew. My mum definitely knew. I mean, I waited until to physically tell my mother that I was gay. I was, oh my God, I must have been, I remember going, she was taking me from our little tiny village back to the train station for me to go back to uni. I told her in the car and she was like, oh my God, I like new. How did you feel like in the lead up kind of going, getting in the car thinking, right, this is the moment I kind of come out. Cause that must be a huge moment. Um, you know, telling your mother, how did you feel and how did you feel once you had told her? Now, I felt a bit nervous about it and it was obviously totally fine. Like, I think my mum will be the first person to admit that she's been on a real, I hate the term journey, but sometimes it's the most appropriate word. With having a gay child, I don't think she ever thought she was going to have one because again, like, she, what, like, it's no fault of her own. She didn't grow up in a very, like, diverse background. She didn't have, like, you know, she doesn't have gay friends, but she didn't have, like, you know, and there's also, like, I think also if you grow up and, and also, like, having a child in the late 80s where, you know, like, the terminology around gay men was horrific. Like, and I think that feeds into it. And it's more of a worry, I think. I think she was very worried about having a gay child. So there was much, there's quite a lot of, like, to and fro between us when I was a teenager and 
lots of difficult times in our relationship but you know like I think it's just accepting you're both in different lanes isn't it and that's okay now she's super supportive and that's really great but it was definitely like more of a relief that she was okay with it but I I think this is something I've realized recently in the last month or so is that I think that coming out a lot of people have a lot of think you come out and then you just be like, I'm a proud gay man now. I'm a proud lesbian or I'm a trans, uh, proud um, bisexual person or whoever you are from the LGBTQ plus community. But it's an ongoing process. Like I don't feel proud every single day. I think that's impossible to feel proud about yourself or your sexuality. Like there's definitely times I still feel very protective over the fact that I'm gay. Like if I'm in certain situations or in certain environments, then it definitely plays on my mind still. Like I definitely don't feel proud 24 seven. I think that's a really important thing to say to people because that's, I think we've got so much further to go, especially when it comes to the idea of pride. Like, you know, we go out on the streets and we march. Unfortunately, we couldn't do that this year, but you know, we did it remotely, we did it virtually. And I did a lot of work over the last month with different charities and different brands talking about LGBTQ plus issues. And to be honest, it was a really revelatory experience for me. And because I wasn't that educated in the plights of other people in my community, and it's made me realize I need to be more educated in it. So I think that to say that coming out was a moment yeah, it was a moment, but it was a moment that is ongoing and continuous. Like it's an ever changing, ever moving, ever um, yeah. developing process, I think. And that's been, so how many years has that been now since you um, came out? Because when you came out, did you start um, sort of having relationships with men straight away was that like did that also take time and was that also a kind of you know I know you hate the word but it was that a journey in itself as well yeah oh my god like I was (laughs) I literally found it so hard like because I didn't like myself like I really didn't I still didn't feel like I was very accepting of myself I had really horrific acne I was like I was not hot <laughs> like I'm just gonna say it. Like, but uh, look at you now, honey. Oh, <laughs> thank the Lord. Um, I'd rather look hot now than when I was like 16 and like desperate as a boy. But um, yeah, and I don't think I kissed a boy until I was like 16. When I was, oh God, if my mum ever listens to this, she should kill me. So I went to my first underage, like I, you know, I stuck into a nightclub when I was like 16 with my best friend Ellie I think and I remember kissing a boy on that first night I think that was on the first night he went clubbing I was like whoa um and that was like wow and yeah so and then I didn't really form proper relationships with people until I was at university and beyond that um because to be honest I didn't like myself or feel this much lauded term of self-love until I was probably even in my mid-20s. So I'm now 31, lol. Um, so so I don't really feel like I love myself until then. So that really prevented me being in any kind of like mm. relationship. And then even, even after that, any kind of positive relationship, like I've had some good relationships, some good experiences with certain people, but I've also had negative ones, you know, so yeah. where, again, that fed in, I think they fed into the fact I didn't like myself that much. So they use that as a kind of tool of power and control and that's really damaging and that's taken a really long time to get over. So I think I think that sense of self-loathing took a really long time to get over and that like that feeling that being gay was a negative thing. Like, you know, you, if you get told for say like however many years at yeah. school that you're gay, you're gay, you're gay. And it's like like you may like people probably might listen to this and be like, oh that's not that negative. But it was always seen as a negative. Thing. Yes, I feel like at school that was the insult, wasn't it? That boys would say oh, to other boys, and it's so you can't imagine. I don't think I feel like kids wouldn't say that to each other now, but then for sure in my school as well, that was the term. So how awful if that's the term of being derogatory? Um, then how are you supposed to form your kind of confidence 
when you're being told that who you are is something so awful like is this insult yeah and it, that's what it felt like it felt like a f- absolute insult and it was really hard to see it as a positive thing and and everything it was like oh you know oh god this lesson is so gay or mm, yeah. oh, I yeah, hate yeah. this it's so gay and it was really like it became like a really negative colloquial term yeah it's just like this is just like it and it was really damaging like and it's literally taking me and honestly like hand on heart it's taken me like the last month to probably be like do you know what I am actually a really proud gay man like and that's the amazing thing to say because it's been and I feel still feel like there's part of me inside that cringes a bit and feels a bit like about (laughs) saying it but I think it's I think it's about unlearning a lot of stuff that you grew up hearing and like that's why I've now partnered with um I'm about to become an ambassador for amazing uh children's mental health charity called Place to Be where they work with kids in schools um on their mental health and the things they've been through because you know what like the damage that's done with mental health to kids in schools with bullying with coming to terms of who they are like that can really affect them into later life like that's where the work needs to be done and I wish that I had someone like a place to be um, counsellor who were based in schools. It's the only mental health charity based in schools where I could have gone to someone and be like, this is how I feel. And just to have someone to listen, yeah. I think that would have really helped. Like, you know, I had friends and stuff, but they didn't really understand. Like, I had my mum and dad, but they were also equally coming to terms with themselves. So I think that like, I had a brother, but we didn't really communicate in that way. So it was really hard. It was a very isolating experience. So I think that now I feel that I can sit here and say that I'm proud of myself for the, probably the first time. That's amazing. And that's huge. Yeah. It really is. And I think it's, you know, it's how you're sort of, the kind of things that you hear about yourself and the labels you're given as a young teen who's really forming your identity, forming your self-worth, your self-esteem, your confidence. Um, a lot of that becomes totally ingrained in who you are. And a lot of work has to be done, really, to undo that and to go back to feeling um, confident and full of self-love. And, and that is... That is really, um, that it requires a lot of strength, a lot of resilience. And really, you should be very proud of yourself to be able to um, say something like, I am a proud gay man, because a young you would never have thought you'd got to get to that place. And you have, so. Oh my God, young me would never have thought I'd get to this place. Like, I think young me has probably just been like, WTF about most things I do in my life now like how on earth did you do this like, <laughs> yeah. like I think I feel like I definitely feel that I do 99.9% of the things for the younger Josh like I always feel that I'm like oh. I feel like a real deep emotional connection to that very confused very isolated very um conscious mm. boy and I think that I think about him as like a different person to who I am now because I have changed so much and I'm definitely mm. much stronger, but I feel like I'm always constantly carrying this boy around with me who I'm constantly <laughs> like, I need to do this for you because I also feel that whenever I do these interviews and they're about say anxiety, about depression, about mental health or body image or whatever interview it is, when you get those messages from those girls being like, Oh my God, this has completely changed the way I think about myself mm. or this is making me, uh, rethink my approach to how I think about this or whatever it is that's that's the special moment so that's why I get such a buzz out of doing it and helping tell helping tell people their stories I love that and I love that idea of doing something for your younger self and I think it's so true I mean we all have this inner child within us that I think as well, though they, they, the, I, I kind of think that our, it's often our inner child sort of carries our anxieties and our um, insecurities, and sometimes they want to come to the forefront, and you have to be like, no, no, you're okay. We've grown up now. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm confident now, and you have to kind of quieten those younger worries that kind of sit with us. 
Oh, it's also just like, I feel like that about relationships, right? Like you go into new relationships and then sometimes you revert to behaviors or you will interpret something in the way you would interpret it in another relationship, yeah, right? Yeah. Or even a friendship. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is a completely different person. This is a completely totally. different relationship. Like, why are you treating this person through the same lens as the way that other person treats you? Like, that isn't that isn't what you should be doing. So I think you constantly have to, like, be aware of the kind of way you approach things at different times in your life and ensuring that you actually turn around and say to yourself, do you know what, babe? that is not the tea anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's so that, true. Back on the, put that back on the stove, put that back on brew. Like, let's come back with a fresh blend. Like, I don't even know what I'm saying with these two references. <laughs> but like, it's true. It's so true. I feel like that all the time. That's why I say within my relationships workshop, one of the things I say is own your own shit. So when you come into a relationship, own what's yours, what's your baggage, what's your memory, what's your past experience that you're putting on and projecting onto this new person. Make sure you're owning it. It's not them it's all you know everything is really our own interpretation so whether that's um that is coming from our past or just our mood that we're in or um how we're feeling whatever it is you know we have to just own what's ours oh 100 i think you that is so good you have to own your own baggage i think that's goes no it's not even just for relationships is it it's whatever With everything situation you go into yeah um okay what is your second defining moment? Okay, so I decided to pick a professional one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> professional? Professional, because I'm a professional, working, independent man. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pick the time I interviewed Oprah Winfrey. <gasps> what? Yeah. I did not know you interviewed yeah. Oprah. Yeah, but because the, the thing F is... Up. It, yeah, I know, but it's not even about, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, 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 like whatever. <laughs> but the thing is with interviewing her was, so basically it's when she was coming to town to do a junket for a Disney film she's working on, and she was with Reese Witherspoon and Mindy. So, and we, I got approved to interview them. We've, I had like, what, 10 minutes to interview them in these like junket setups. Yeah. And obviously interviewing the ultimate interviewer is very petrifying (laughs) because you know like she is the ultimate interviewer she is the high priestess of chat she's the high priestess of listening she's the high priestess of literally everything so I was like how am I going to approach the situation and I was really nervous the night before I was like how am I going to do this like what am I going to do how am I going to approach this and I was like do you know what what would Oprah do? (laughs) (laughs) And Oprah would go into any situation and she would be Oprah. So I was like, well, Josh, just be you. Like, and if she doesn't like it, then it's not for you and it's not for her. And that's okay. So I went in and it was with her, Reese and um, Mindy. Oh my God. I mean, talk about, I literally was like, I called them the Disney version of Destiny's Child. And they were like screaming. They were laughing. They're like, oh my God, you're the first one to say that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm onto something here. This is great. This is great. This is great. And at the end of the interview, Oprah turned around and said to me, you did an amazing job. (gasps) And I was like, oh my God. (sighs) And that moment for me, and Reese said something very similar as did Mindy, and I gave them, you know how in basically in on um, old school Oprah chat shows, she'd be yeah. like, you get a car, you get a car, and you get a car. Yeah. I gave them all babes badges because I was so obsessed with saying the word babes. It's like, you're a babe, you're a babe, you're a babe. <laughs> and like Oprah's wearing this like babes badge. And she's like, oh my God, so I'm a Josh babe. And I was like, you're a Josh babe. And and she was loving it. She's like, I love the base badges. Like it was so great. And right. I think that that I mean that for me feels like that happened. Oh my god, like years ago. And it probably happened like three years ago. But in that time, I've really come on as an interviewer because yeah. on that interview, I stopped trying to be someone else and I started just being myself. And oh that has- yes. And that is when it all changed. And I was like, oh my God, if I can get Oprah Winfrey to have a great time in the interview. And it's really funny because if you ever watch it back, you can see her change. 
Okay, and I'm going to watch this tonight. Yeah, I'll send it to you. And it's like, she's obviously like done about 20 million interviews by yeah. this point. And then it was like, oh my God. She's like, you are the first one to say that. Oh my God. And they're like losing it. And I was like, wow. And to you what, like going back to that point I was saying is that after I did that interview, every single interview I've gone into ever since, I thought, what can I do? And that's the only thing to do is myself. And not to the detriment of other people, but it's also just making sure you create that space like I've realized that what I'm very good at is creating a safe space where people feel like they can have open and honest conversations do you know what some people don't want to have open and honest conversations that's fine don't make them don't force them don't force the conversation let that conversation flow like don't go in with a set list of questions and expect just to get through those five questions and that's it or however many questions it's like I'm in a very fortunate position now where I have an amazing job as being the entertainment subject at glamour and all the other stuff I do outside of that with different brands and my own podcasts I'm doing and the book I'm working on all that stuff is I have so many amazing opportunities to talk to the most incredible inspiring people on the planet and every single one every single time I do an interview I learn so much about myself and I think that's what's important and that's what's amazing about when you see those girls or guys send you messages and they're like I've learned this I'm like well babe I learned so much from doing that interview yeah. Like I always learn. And I think as long as you're um, interested and you're listening, that's the most important thing. And I know that I'm talking a lot right now, but yeah. one of the things I learned is I have a, I got some amazing advice from Dermot O'Leary, who is like a king amongst men. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. I think he's incredible. I, he is, yeah. And he said to me, do you know what, Josh? Um, he probably probably even remember saying this or he might do because he's very wise. I call him Yoda. Um, and uh, he was like you as a presenter as an interviewer you have to listen as much as you talk if not listen more than you talk and I remember thinking about that and I was like wow because I used to think doing an interview was all about putting as much of me into the interview as possible and I was like no it's not it's about asking the right questions at the right time and listening like so many times like a couple of my friends who are actresses and stuff they're like you do not understand how little people actually listen to what we say so they start talking about story and then some they basically answer the question they're gonna ask they're gonna ask in the second one but they haven't listened really to what they're saying or there could be something really interesting in that conversation and then like I've had so many amazing interviews where I've where say like someone said oh well I felt really down for like a bit and I'd be like oh when did you feel down or how did you feel about that and they're like whoa yeah and they've realized things I've realized things and we've all learned things together. And I think that's what some, some of the interviews are very special because you feel like you've been there with them to tell their story, but it's also, you've got to remember, it's not your story, it's theirs. Yes. So that's the important thing to remember. I remember when I interviewed Anthony from Queer Eye, he said to me, you've got this really insane skill for like actually saying very little, but getting so much out of someone because I just listen. Like I honestly the value of listening we talk all the time don't we about oh it's so important to talk and it is really important to talk but it's even more important to listen and also if you not f- agree more right and if you feel listened to you feel valued you feel yeah. safe you feel like you're of worth and I don't think a lot of people like how many times I think anyone who's listened to this like always use this as an example is how many times have you said how are you and not really listened to the reply like I've done it, I've done it many times where I've been like, how are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, but most of the times if someone just goes, yeah, I'm okay. If someone goes, yeah, I'm okay. usually means they're not okay. So <laughs> yeah. then you go, are you sure? One of my friends, Megan said to me the other day, she came to see me. God, this is not the other day. It's just for lockdown since ages ago. She said to me, um, on the way down, she was dreading it because she was thinking, oh God, he's going to ask me a question. I'm going to end up telling him everything about my life again. And literally, I just basically said to her, how are you? She went, yeah, I'm okay. I was like, no, but how are you really? And then the floodgates came out. <laughs> and then, yeah, but also that was a really amazing moment because she probably, she won't mind me telling you this because we won't bring in the, what she was talking about. But we were talking about a situation she's been through. And what's so amazing about getting to meet these inspirational people all the time is you get so much great advice. So even if it's advice that you don't necessarily find that useful, it could be useful advice from that. But I interviewed Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby is a queen amongst women. Like literally yeah. like, oh my God, She's I so worship her. Yeah. Like so talented, but also so wise. 
And we were having this interview, we were talking about how she deals with anxiety. And she said whenever she feels that she's anxious, she always talks to herself like a small child. So she goes, oh, you're okay. You're right. Everything's fine. Like, and it's so reassuring. So whenever I start to feel anxious, I start doing that. And then I told my friends who start to feel anxious and they started doing that. And then, and this friend in particular, she was, I told her this and she was like, oh my God, that's completely changed the way I talk about myself. And she also said this thing to me, which is so fascinating. I interviewed her again just after the Baptist this year. And I said to her, I was like, oh my God, Vanessa, like you said this thing to me and it's really changed everything. It's changed so many of my friends as well. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh my God, that's so amazing. And I'm so happy to hear that. And then she told me this other piece of advice, which I'm obsessed with, that we all need to start being a better parent to ourselves. So mm. we always basically turn around and we tend to lean towards being the bad parent to ourselves. Like the parent who goes, you're a bad person. You shouldn't have done that. Da, 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 yeah. Like the one who like literally the bad car parent. Yeah. Whereas actually we should lean towards the good nurturing parent who goes, you are enough. You are amazing. Whatever you've been yeah. through, we'll get through it together. And if you be that parent to yourself, then you literally feel so much more secure in yourself and I started doing that and I'm like oh my god basically I think Vanessa Kirby should be like worshipped (laughs) (laughs) but that's the really special thing about this job and that I wouldn't have ever got to that part of learning all this stuff about myself or getting this level of advice or learning this much about people and how humans interact and how we interact as people if I had not have gone into that room on that day when I met Oprah decided to be myself and that was it Yes. Wow. Okay. I have so much I want to say. Firstly, I think starting with that kind of moment, I think the fact that, you know, I talk about it a lot and I think the best way for anybody to succeed in their careers or to achieve what they want to achieve is to be their authentic selves. And the moment you just kind of figure out what makes you you and you um, nurture that authenticity, you will thrive. Yes. You just will. It's literally, it is, for me, that's part of the magic of, of life and that's the magic of manifesting. It comes from just being your authentic self because that takes you on a whole different vibe. And you, no one else can be you. Isn't it that Winnie the Pooh quote? Is like, no one is you and that is your power. And I love that. So the fact that you had this kind of defining moment of just going, this is me. And I'm just going to be me and see what happens. And then to then see your career kind of just take off really from from then. I mean, obviously, along with lots and lots of hard work leading up to oh, that. Yeah. But I think that is a really powerful piece of advice for anyone listening to if you're wondering, you know, you're worried, or you have fear, just be yourself. And it's something that sounds so cliche, but it is just so true. We have to just be true to us and not try and be or replicate someone else. You can take experience from, you know, you can take lessons from other people. You can um, take understanding. You can take um, tips or you can be inspired by others, but you can never try and replicate someone else. So just do you. You do you, huh? Yes. You do you. And do you know what? Being you is the greatest superpower of all. Like, I really fundamentally believe that. Like, the thing is, it's like we get so hit up on, like, I think this is a hangover probably that I have from school. I'm so desperate for people to like me. It's the worst, right? Mm. And it stops you being your authentic self because you think if you've been bullied or you've been told that the real you isn't accepted, is a negative, then you're going to try and build... A, a, a film or like a faux personality right I definitely did that now I, and it's almost been taking years of trying to like take off that like protective faux personality like I definitely feel that in any social situation now I just don't try to be anything other than I am and if if I meet someone who I don't get on with then I just step away from it like I don't have to perform or be a performative um personality just to make some random person who I'm probably never going to talk to again on everything totally. again or never like their name again like that's the thing like being your authentic self is your greatest superpower agreed well actually my mum always used to say to me you can't please all the people all the time and I used to think like what do you mean of course I can 
Like, <laughs> I was like, you kidding? I want ever because I was so, you know, as well, like so bullied. And I just had this, and really up until recently, I've still struggled with it, just this desperation to be liked. And it's oh, like, please God, yeah. like me. Um, it's really hard because I think also, especially like, I mean, being a like interviewer presenter, like, you want everyone to like you, you want to get all the jobs, you want to be doing all these things, like you want to be doing them now and you're really impatient for it. And you're literally like, like I've gone to like, oh my God, like you may sit here and be like, whoever may listen to this, be like, oh my God, you're so successful. And I'm like, yeah, I am. But Christ, I've had a ton of rejections, multiple yes. ways in my life. Like literally, and I've had more rejections than I had yeses. Like, that, wait, um, t- expand on that because I think that is so good for people to hear that because they can see someone doing so well. And I know there are so many people who look up to you and are just like, oh my God, I want to be where he is. But actually remembering that before you get to this place, there's also another side like you say, of the rejection. So tell me a bit about that. Oh God. So I remember when I was starting out in this crazy industry, I wanted to be like a fashion stylist, fashion journalist. It was even just like, I remember getting rejected at university from an internship at Tatler and I cried about it. And I was like, (laughs) oh my God, I'm never going to make it in journalism if I don't get this one Tatler, one week poxy, um, Internship, like, yeah, I've had some game-changing internships. I already had amazing internships at that point, so it was kind of more of a shock that I didn't get it. (laughs) And I I remember crying about it. I was crying about it. Like, and I remember it, and I was like, God. And I remember my friend Carla, this is something I was at university, being like, oh, babe, like, you don't want to work at Tatler. Like, that's not for you. Like, there's many reasons probably why I didn't get it. And honestly, like, if that doesn't work out for you, something else came along. And like, you know other stuff does come along but I remember even when I was trying to become like when I was an intern and I was like a freelance fashion assistant trying to get a fashion assistant job I got rejected from Elle I got rejected from Vogue I got rejected from Harper's Bazaar like and like but it's all down to personality isn't it like I mean I don't necessarily feel like my personality is well suited to any of those and I ended up working in Grazi which is the most amazing place most incredible educational experience like I learned so much stuff there from amazing editors when it's like the height of its like success and you know like one door closes a small window opens like yeah you've got to find that window you've got to crawl for that window you've got to bear crawl for that window make sure that window becomes a door like, I right, love you've got, that. You've got to like do all through the windows. Things. Yeah. And um, for sound like a cat burglar, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and um, yeah, and even now, like I to go for auditions, I don't get stuff. Like I don't get everything. I don't, even sometimes we don't even get interviews with some people, right? Like yeah. we're not, I'm not like, I'm in very fortunate position that I now get approached about interviews. We, it's very, but you, there's sometimes, I tried to get an interview and I take it very personally. I don't get it. And sometimes it's not even down to you. It's down to like that person and the personality is not fitting or whatever. So I think there's more rejection in this world than there is acceptance. I just don't think I let the rejection get to me in a way that I used to. Like yeah. I remember not getting a, not, I'm not going to say what it was, but I didn't, I was, I was, you know, like down to, for a really amazing thing. And someone I know got it instead of me. And do you know what? For the first time ever, I was just happy for that other person. And mm. I was like, wow. And I was like, but because I just remembered that whole phrase about what's meant for you won't go past you. And I was like, this wasn't for me. Yes. I think that's once you start to believe uh, and trust in sort of yourself and in your future, you kind of, you do get to this place where when things don't work out how you want, you just go, you know what, you have this kind of freedom of going, it just wasn't right. But I totally feel you. And I think that's something that comes with self-development, that comes with age, is being able to not allow rejection to um, really make you get inside your head and then stop you from progressing because I remember when I first was going to do this podcast 
Um, I'd been putting it off for ages because I was really nervous that people would say no and blah, blah, blah. And the first person I asked, I text, and I won't say who it is, but he was, um, I text him and I was saying, you know, I'd really love to do the podcast. And he replied going, I'm really sorry, but um, I don't feel comfortable talking about my personal life. So no. And it was the first person I'd ask and it was a straight no. And I was like, oh my God. And for my first reaction was this is a fucking stupid idea do you know what no one's gonna want to do it I'm just gonna forget it I'm not gonna do a podcast and then I had to go no this is where you have to overcome this moment and just keep trying and really coming to this realization that if someone says no they don't want to do it it's not a personal attack on me and that's the thing it's try it's that thing of not taking things personally and rejection isn't personal it just isn't right it's not right for that maybe that person someone better was you know someone was better suited for the job or they wanted to do a different podcast or they wanted to um do something else you know what i mean there's so many different reasons but once you start not to take things personally and you trust that it's not meant for you that is kind of the best way to deal with rejection and every time you kind of fate have a rejection and then you push through i think you are always then rewarded yeah honestly i think that's so true and like one of the things oh my god i got to show this piece of advice because it's the best piece of advice i've ever been given actually whoa that's that's a statement no this is like amazing this is actually the thing that actually changed my life i think whilst feeding into that discussion around the oprah discussion and how we were saying about being your authentic self and dealing with rejection. I think this has actually helped me deal with rejection as well. So I interviewed this um, an actress, very amazing actress called Hayley Atwell. And um, and it was like the day after I came back from wilderness and I was very like bleary eyed and like <laughs> feeling very sorry for myself. And we had this, and it was two years ago this happened. And um, cause I've just found the, cause I've screenshotted it on my phone. I had it on my phone as reference when I feel like down or I need to like, think about myself or whatever (laughs) and we have this deep discussion about adulting and being your authentic self and using your voice and she said she sent me a message to thank me for this interview we did when it came out and she said to me you take you wherever you go so keep setting the tone you want and I think that that is that one sentence has basically summed up what I've tried to do in every kind of professional experience I'm in or personal experience I'm in because she was like saying you invited that level of conversation to room and it was refreshing that's what she said and I was like wow so I was like if I can just take me wherever I go that's the most valuable thing I can do for myself and the people I meet and like that that's that's been something that's been a very special piece of advice I love that's, that. made, that's enabled me to help to deal with rejection and the peaks and troughs, like there's so yeah. many highs in what we do, like, you know, like fly around the world, get to meet these amazing people. But it's it's how you deal with everything in between that's so important and making yes. sure you take you wherever you go. Oh, like that's become like yeah. a reassuring thing because you can only, like that's reassuring itself. And I'm just thinking about it because if you can always take you wherever you go, then you always have a teammate with you, right? Like you've got to be your own number one teammate. And that's reassuring when you're yeah. like that and you think that way. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah, babes. (laughs) So then the other thing I actually wanted to touch on, which we were talking about before, is um, the listening thing. And I think that, okay, firstly, I I think one of the reasons you are so um, magnetic and so wise is because you have, because of this ability to listen and learn. And I think that, anyone that is willing and kind of has a deep desire to learn from others um, is a sort of enriched and wise person. And I think that one thing I always kind of say to people who are feeling down or feeling um having a bad day if you're in that mood call a friend and just ask them how they are and start a conversation with them and just listen to someone else firstly get out your own head um and secondly every conversation you have can teach you something and i always say every person um you meet is a teacher and every experience you have is a lesson and i think um that is you know it's absolutely true that people don't 
listen enough they are always thinking about what they're gonna say before they finish and I think you know that's something that we really need to learn and that comes with mindfulness it comes with um, an appreciation for others and really just remembering that we're always work in progress there's always something else to learn and some some other perspective to take I think so much about self-development and growth is about perspective shifts and we can only really understand new perspectives if we kind of hear them or see them from others oh my god 100% 100% like I honestly from listening to other people I've learned that (laughs) there's I'm not like alone in the thoughts and feelings that I have. Like, like again, going back to this anti from Queer Eye interview, he said to me this really amazing thing that he learned from therapy, right? Where he said, going to therapy, he felt like this very isolated and alone person. He was the only person in the world who was feeling this certain way. And then he went to the therapist and the therapist said, you know what? Like so many people your age experience this and feel like this. So don't, you don't have to be alone in this. And like, that's the important thing. Like if you reach out, talk to people and also listen to them, every single, every single conversation you have can change your life. It can, even if it's just tiny things or it can affect your life in the sense you're like, well, I don't want to be like that. Or I don't want to act like that. Or I don't want a relationship like that. And so, okay, cool. If you don't want a relationship like that, then what are you going to do to make sure you don't have a relationship like that? Like, I honestly think the power of listening is the greatest power apart from being yourself love 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 millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Baffled, a brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon, incredible. You basically (laughs) saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. I think until 10 years ago, I I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts. Tell me, what is your third defining moment? God, this, okay, I'm going to say something. This is probably, I'm not sure if this is going to be like a popular one or not, but I'm going to say lockdown. (gasps) Oh, do you know what? I'm so with you. Yes. So I did not. I, this is a. I've not heard this is a moment. I was not expecting that. So that is a cool yeah. one. Okay. So basically, the reason why I picked this is because just before lockdown, I felt so overwhelmed. I felt like I didn't have control over my life anymore. I everything was like happening at like six hundred miles an hour, and I was just going along for the ride, and then. I was so busy with work. I was going out all the time, seeing my friends constantly. I was out like five nights a week, six nights a week. Like I was, oh God, I was like, no, I, I everything of my life was full power. And honestly, I don't know what would have happened to me if I hadn't stopped 
and been forced to stop. Like, I wasn't, like, addicted to anything. Like, I think the only thing I was addicted to was the high of life, right? Like, I just felt so addicted to this adrenaline rush of, like, oh, my God, this is an amazing moment. Oh, my God, this is an amazing moment. Yeah. Oh, my God, this is an amazing moment. Oh, my God, this is... And then anything that felt like a downer, like, for instance, I remember going to, like, the BAFTAs at the the year, and it was such a high moment. And the next day I felt so flat and low. And then the next day I went to New York, and that was a really massive high moment. And then... I came back and I was like, oh, this is a low. Like, I found it really hard to find a balance between the highs of life and the lows of life. Like, and anything that felt normal felt like a low. So getting forced into this monotonous normality, yes, it was really hard. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, I was on, I had to self-isolate on my own because I live on my own. And I didn't see another human being who I knew or touch another human being for like five, six weeks so that was really hard because I'm someone who really thrives off other people and the energies yes. I get from people. But for instance, there's so many amazing things that happened with this. Like I, at the beginning, I was really panicked being like, oh my God, these things I want to do this year are just not going to happen. And actually I've stopped. I've also rested. I haven't beaten myself up because I could have made a couple of the things that I'm working on happen quicker, but also I don't believe that forcing it to happen at different times would have helped me to be honest and I don't think it would have been another form of burnout I like took some time out to think about who I wanted to be as a person and what I wanted to do and taking a break from having this like booked and busy lifestyle where I was like constantly like oh I can't make this and also the most amazing thing has been making me realize who I really care about like who gives me life like who do I want to spend my time with like who like you're one of those people like my friend Jodie that like those are the kind of people I want to spend my time with and Anthony and also my new boyfriend Tom I hate the, t- t- yeah. I hate the term new boyfriend because he's just my boyfriend but like <laughs> for instance like like I I don't think even in that sense that I mean Tom won't mind me saying this because we've said it to each other he might mind me saying it on the public platform but we were both so busy. Like I met him in February and I don't think if we had gone through lockdown, spoken every single day, hung out whenever we could and really treasured those moments when we weren't distracted from normal life, we wouldn't be in this amazing situation and this amazing relationship we're in now, which has been the greatest gift Oh, ever. don't. I'm actually going to cry. Yeah. Like, it makes honestly, me like, so happy, that's, John. That's like... That's been the greatest gift. And honestly, like maybe even, oh God, this is so cringe me to saying this, but I think maybe within that, actually meeting him has been one of the best moments because, you know, like I hope to be with Tom for a really long time, but it, even if even if we're not for whatever reason, like he's changed me for the better in the terms of that he's made me realise like what a positive relationship could be like, like how loving and caring and supporting someone could be and how someone can add to your happiness and not take away from it, you know? Like I just feel like the most content, ever coming out of lockdown which I didn't expect like because I definitely had the dips during lockdown and I was like oh my god yeah. what am I gonna do but that's been that's been the greatest gift really Josh I'm literally oh I'm like tingling with just happiness for you honestly and oh Tom I can't wait to meet you oh my god um <laughs> bring it on next week um Mace, when this comes out you've met about 600 times I know <laughs> Um, but I have to just say that I think this is the most, I, I love that you've mentioned this thing about, um, kind of, because I did actually in this chat to camera yesterday on Instagram about this, and it's about finding happiness and true contentment, because I think so often, um, especially not especially in the industries we are we're in but maybe um we highs and adrenaline highs are so addictive so it doesn't matter whether that's drugs or just the excitement of going to a glamorous party or just the excitement of um you know getting another you know every time you get an interview with someone incredible that's a hit that's an excitement work highs um you know always striving for success striving to be busy striving for this and it's so exciting especially when you love what you do because you're like oh my god yes like you're excited but with all of that is such high adrenaline and when that is your kind of um your go-to 
for happiness, that's a really high kind of hormonal chemical place to try and reach. So how do you then reach that by getting by normal life? It's really fucking hard because you've set this bar so high that then normality. And that's why I I used to find with um, when I first stopped taking coke, the biggest thing for me was that I basically to reach that chemical high naturally was like impossible. And when I stopped taking it, what I really noticed was I suddenly found joy for all the small things in life because I could reach these natural highs um, much easier because I wasn't trying to compete with these huge surges all the time. And it's the same with this kind of adrenaline and the burnout and everything. So being able to slow down, of course, you can still have those high vibe, you know, those incredible, exciting moments, but you're not living for them. You're living no. for life. You're living for normality for genuine pleasures from all the small things around you and then all these big you know amazing moments just become a kind of a bonus but they're not what you're striving for all the time this is so accurate because I remember having this oh my god this is so name choppy but I literally had this did this interview with Kylie Minogue and I was saying to her how did you, this is this is the end of last year, obviously she had that amazing year, she's on Glastonbury, like, oh my God, queen. And she, we were talking about this idea about the highs and the lows of life, because if you're going on stage and you're having these moments, like being in the legend of Glastonbury, like she didn't realise she had a very negative relationship with the highs and then the normality until she met her boyfriend, her new, her, her partner now. And he was actually like, this isn't normal. Like, and then she was like, wow, maybe it's not. And that's really, and obviously I'm not Kylie Minogue. We're not Kylie Minogue. We don't know what that level of like, <laughs> we're not performing at the O2 Arena. <laughs> but like on a smaller scale, you, when you think about those highs and those, and that's how I felt about my own life, obviously in a, much much watered down version but do you know what once I mean I think recently I've realized that if you're content in your normality then you are it's anything else just feels like oh great cool it feels like a bonus it's so accurate you said that I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I feel the most content and happy I have in my normality and what my normality is but I don't feel like I mean work's amazing achieving stuff's amazing being ambitious is amazing, but you know what? Like, what is ambition and what are the highs if you don't have that safe, content normality? So it's not really worth it. I feel like I've honestly been on a real journey with you in this, like, hour. <laughs> like, I literally see, I feel like I've been with you from this sort of nine-year-old kid and then, you know, being called gay and being like, oh, Maybe that's it. And then going on the journey of figuring out who you are, then dealing with the kind of insecurity, the shame, the um, sadness that came with um, early adolescence. And then, you know, figuring out what you wanted to do and then getting more, you know, becoming sort of becoming proud to be gay, finding success in your career, dealing with rejection, um, learning to be yourself um, and now coming to this beautiful place of true contentment. I feel like I'm absolutely buzzing um, and I think it's a really inspiring story and it's really real and I think it's so relatable and you um I you always surprise me Josh I think because it's mostly we think of wise people as these sort of like soft and slow and quiet people and <laughs> you are fun yeah. as they come you are got boundless energy you're a social butterfly and you are just you know, full to the brim of wisdom, of um, kindness, of love. And I think you are doing amazing things. And I cannot wait to sort of continue to listen to your interviews, to listen to you um, and to, to watch your journey. Oh, babe, that's so sweet. I know. But it's so true. Like, I really wish that the younger me could listen to this podcast. I honestly feel like that. Like, I again, going back to that idea that I just, 
wish that he had something like this to listen to because this the journey would have helped so much josh thank you so 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 much for being a wonderful guest for sharing a story i'm so glad to finally have you on the other side of the interview (laughs) you are good at both being an interviewer and an interviewee and now you know thank you love Love you you. darling hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.